when he gives you a gift. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That's what the scriptures say. He's not going to take it back. If you take that gift and put it in your back pocket and never use it, it's no better than the, the servant who was given one talent by his master and he took it and went out and buried it. Let's take our Bibles this evening and open to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Well, the subject of spiritual gifts is a wonderful subject to study, and it's very deep, and it's taken us many weeks to get to where we are. We've covered a lot of ground. We've looked at spiritual gifts that are permanent, spiritual gifts that are temporary. We spent four or five Wednesdays looking at um, the gift of tongues, the New Testament gift of tongues. And so if you've missed any of those messages, you'll want to go online. And uh, Pastor Devian, tell, tell me again, how is it that we find, if I wanted to go online and find something on tongues, what, what's the um, website? gbconline.ca Video channels GBC Archive, and then all the playlists. Wow, so that's GBC Online, and then what? Video Channels, and then GBC Archive, and then it's in there. All right, well, that's pretty complicated. <laughs> but uh, if, you got, if you got that, great. If you, uh, if you have trouble, uh, call into the office tomorrow, ask for Pastor Devian. And he'll, uh, he'll help you out. Or send him an email. Send an email, maybe even to the office. Well, tonight we're going to start looking at the uh, 11 permanent spiritual gifts and then sort of explaining what each one is and then explaining how it is we can find out what gifts we have. Because every Christian, man, woman, young person, doesn't matter their age or anywhere they're situated in the world. If they're saved, they have a spiritual gift, at least one. Now, you're in Ephesians chapter 4. You see, verse 7 and 8 tells us this. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. This word grace is a reference to the spiritual gifts Verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. It was very common back in antiquity, a couple thousand years ago and more, that when the conquering king would uh, come back home, he'd be leading captivity captive. He'd have all of his captives behind him. They'd be in chains, you know, all of the prisoners. And as the gates of his city would open, there'd be a tremendous ticker tape parade. He'd be coming in and he'd be giving gifts to all of his people. And so that concept found its way into the scripture. The Lord Jesus, when he ascended up on high, gave gifts. So Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, has given every Christian spiritual gift, at least one. Many of us have two and three gifts. 
The apostles, in my opinion, the apostles had all of the gifts. You say, why? Because they needed them for the work that God had called them to do. God calls all of us to do work, ministries, jobs within the local church. And that's the idea here behind the uh, spiritual gifts. Now, I'm just going to give a a quick uh, rundown of what they are. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get into the subject matter tonight. So, the list of gifts, um, and I'm doing them in order uh, in the Scripture. There are three chapters you'll find spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Those are the three chapters that deal with spiritual gifts. So, uh, the first is ministry. That's in Romans 12, 7. The second is exhortation. That's in also Romans 12, 7. In fact, these first four, five are in Romans 12, 7. The third one is giving. And yes, that's a spiritual gift. The fourth one is ruling. The fifth one is mercy. So the first five are found there in Romans chapter 12, verse 7. Then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and... We have, uh, in verse 28, we have teaching, we have helps, we have government, and we also have faith. And I like to put down 1 Corinthians 13, 13 on that, faith. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, there's evangelism, and then there's pastoring. Uh, teacher is mentioned there also, but that's already been covered in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So in those three chapters, you have a couple of repeats. So you have um, a lot of gifts mentioned, but uh, a bunch of them are temporary. They're no longer needed. And what the Lord has done is left us with these 11 that we are to use for the Lord's work and for his glory. So we're going to start to explore the gifts. We can't get through all 11. We're only going to look at a couple of them tonight. We're going to explore and we're going to examine how it is we can know if we have that gift or not. All right? So with that in mind, let's have a word of prayer and then we're going to get into the study. Once again, Heavenly Father, Please help us. Dear Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, the best Bible teacher. And the wonderful thing is you're a built-in Bible teacher. You dwell within our hearts. We don't understand how it is you're able to do that. There are many things we don't yet understand. One of them is your omnipresence and how you can be in more than one place at one time. But we're sure thankful that you are. Dear Holy Spirit, please Teach us and illuminate us tonight and open the eyes of our understanding. Enlighten our minds. Take away the the cloud. Take away the doubt. Please give us faith in your word. I pray, Father, for each one of us here tonight in the auditorium. I pray for each one of us watching online. Help us, Lord, to understand spiritual gifts and to get busy, get active, in learning how we can determine what it is that we might have been given. 
So bless us now, tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Someone might be wondering, well, why does God play games? Why can't he just tell me? After I got saved, you know, why can't he just part the clouds or something or, or write in the sky and tell me what my spiritual gift or gifts are? Why can't he do that? Why does he always have to make things so hard, so mysterious? Why do we have to go through these, these hoops and play these games to find out these things? God makes no mistake. The just shall live by faith, not by sight. And if God were to tell us everything by sight, there'd be no need of faith. We need faith in God's word. And we need to step forward one step at a time, day by day. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. That day's not here yet. It's going to be when we see Jesus. But every day, the light should be getting a little brighter. Um, Thy word is a, a lamp unto my feet. And so we take the word of God and we walk forward. We live in a dark world. We've come out of uh, a dark life. If, um, if you've lived any few years as an unsaved person, you know, every year you've lived as an unsaved person has just been more and more darkness, more confusion, more trouble, more pain and sorrow. And so when you, when you come to Jesus, you're leaving all that. And we have to leave it far behind. Problem is, some of that baggage still follows us. Once in a while, when a truck, uh, some kind of service truck, is driving and slows down and goes around the corner, a couple of nuts and bolts might fall out of the back of it. Maybe you've seen that happen. I have. I've been tempted to follow around the Brinks money truck. But you know, the money just never seems to fall out there. I'm just... Just a little bit of pastor humor there. <laughs> but in our Christian lives, as we're going on for the Lord, it seems that some of the baggage, the nuts and bolts of the old life we used to live kind of falling out there. And that's what we want. We want to get rid of as much of the, the world as possible. We want to be made more like Jesus. That's God's will for all of us. Spiritual gifts will help us to become what he wants us to become. He's not playing cat and mouse games with us. No. It's an exciting course of study. If you went to embark upon, um, I don't know, you're going to become a, any of the professions, be it mechanical, be it electrical, whatever, you know, you're going to go into some kind of schooling, some kind of learning. And you understand that you're not going to learn it all in the first day. It's going to take you months of study, sometimes years of study, to really get a handle on this uh, subject you're pursuing. Well, likewise in the whole Christian life. Now, it won't take you your whole life to figure out your spiritual gift. It won't do, take you that. You'll figure it out. I'm going to help you with it. But all through your Christian life, you're going to be learning a little more and a little more. And you're going to learn a little more about the Lord. You're going to learn a little more about the world we live in. You're going to learn a little more about yourself and why it is that you do certain things and why you have certain hang-ups. You're going to be learning these things more and more. And of course, if you're married, you're going to be learning more and more 
about your loved one. If you have children, you're going to be learning more and more about your kids. All through our lives, we're learning and learning. They say that fish out in the wild, not in captivity, but out in the wild, in the lakes and the oceans, fish never stop growing. They're always growing and growing until the day they die. And likewise, you and I need to be growing and growing. And as we're growing, we need to figure out what our spiritual gifts are. And if we'll do it carefully, the Lord will show us. He really will. And it won't take you 40 years to learn. But very important that we, uh, we start. Now, one of the guiding principles is this. With spiritual gifts come the desire to use them. With spiritual gifts come the desire to use them. Now, there's one caveat here. If you're backslidden, if you're not properly living for the Lord, you're not going to have much spiritual taste for anything. That's what happens. I've seen it happen over and over in, in my 41 years of ministry. Christians who maybe once upon a time seemed to be going you know, in a good direction and things were going good. Their life seemed to be um, with joy and a spring in their step. And then something happened. And they slowly started to cut back on their Bible and prayer. Then they started cutting back on their church attendance. And often what it'll become is they'll disappear. They'll stop. I've seen it happen to people in our church. Once upon a time, they were coming, they were involved, they were singing the songs of Zion, but something happened. The devil somehow seemed to, to get them. Uh, he shot a fiery dart. He set up a, one of his uh, wily traps or something, and he snared their foot. And instead of dealing with it biblically, maybe they got frustrated. Maybe they got mad at God. The devil doesn't care. As long as the bottom line is, you backslide. If, if the devil cannot keep a man or woman from coming to Christ, he will do everything in his power to keep them from growing. And he'll always keep them an infant, thumb-sucking baby. That's not God's will for our lives. Listen, when we first get saved, we're spiritually thumb-sucking babies. All we know is ourselves. But that has to be left behind as we grow and we learn to love God more and we learn to love God's people and we realize there's a job for me to do. And we need to take growing up responsible positions in the family of God. There's far, far too many Christians that have been saved years. <clears throat> they haven't grown. They haven't grown at all. In fact, we're going to look at that Briefly tonight in one of the scriptures we're going to look at. So, one of the guiding principles when you want to find out what your spiritual gift is, it's going to be connected with desire to use it. When you start realizing what it is, there's going to be a joy and a desire in you to want to get busy and to use that. That's a guiding principle. Now, um, I'll show you this if you please. Turn to the right, you're in Ephesians, turn to the right to Philippians. Go to Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see this. Folks at home, you too, you turn to Philippians chapter 2. Don't let us do all the work here. You help us. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 13. 
Philippians 2.13. Everyone, all together, let's read it out loud now. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He gives you a spiritual gift for a reason. He wants you to use it. That's his will. And so, what will God do? He'll work in you. Not only will he give you the spiritual gift, he'll give you the, the willingness uh, to, um, well, both to will and to do the, 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 um, the, the, the volition there. God will work in your heart. When you find out what your spiritual gift is, God will start to work in you. Now, let's pretend, for example, that your spiritual gift maybe is the showing of mercy. Well, when you start to clue into what your spiritual gift is and realize what God has done for you, and you realize that you've got the Midas touch, wow, that's going to be exciting. You're going to want to use that. Now, you remember the Midas touch, that story? Midas, King Midas, he had this gift, quote, given to him where he could touch something and it would turn to solid gold. Well, he was so happy, he went around and touched everything. Of course, there came a sad point. His daughter, his one and only daughter, came running in to, to see him. Daddy, daddy. And he turned and accidentally touched her. And she turned to solid gold. And that broke his heart. Well, that's just a story, a fable. But we use that expression, the Midas touch. With your spiritual gift, it's like you have a Midas touch. You can do things that others can't. It's like a superpower, if you will. There are 11 superpowers that God has given for us. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of them tonight. That's all we have time to deal with. And the first one, um, you know the, the expression, the last shall be first? You've heard that? Right? Well, that's going to be true tonight because the last one on the list I gave you was pastor. That's going to be the first one we're going to deal with tonight. The gift of pastor. And it's in Ephesians. Go back a couple pages. Ephesians chapter 4. And you'll see it there. It's in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now notice this. It doesn't say he gave some apostles. Well, God's up in heaven. He's got a big bucket full of apostles. And so he's, he's reaching into his bucket and he's taking out handfuls of apostles and throwing them at the earth. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that God reached into his bucket and took out handfuls of prophets or handfuls of pastors and threw them at the, at the, the, the world. But to some people, he gave the gift of being an apostle. To some people, he gave the gift of being a prophet. That's why there's a little comma after the word some in your King James Bible. I can't speak about other modern translations, but in your King James Bible, and he gave some apostles. But you'll notice at the end there, some pastors. And so there's the gift listed right there. Now, how do you know? How do you know if you have the gift of pastor? That's an interesting question. How would a man know? Well, we don't have all of the time in the world here, but the scriptures indicate that God gives that gift to certain men. He doesn't give it to women. He gives it to certain men. 
I know there are women in the world who claim to be pastors. I know that. Maybe you know of some. But what does God say in the book? God says men. And it's in the specific masculine pronoun. It's men. So how do you know? How does a man know if he's been given a gift of being a pastor? There's an illustration I like to to use, um, and that is a young girl's heart. Now, you would expect a young girl would have a young girl's heart. And oftentimes, now I know that in some very oppressive countries and systems, people everywhere are just walking all full of gloom. But oftentimes, young girls have happy hearts. And they, they love life. And what happens when they become a mother for the first time? Something happens in their heart. Now, now they still have, you know, fun, of course. That's never going to leave them. But they have now a mother's heart. A mother's heart. Young girls, you know, they don't, they don't have yet a mother's heart. And they're not expected to. But after they get married and the first child comes and is born, it's an amazing transformation. How now this uh, young girl at one point, sort of carefree, all of a sudden... Her heart has changed. Now you think of your own mother. If you can, you think of your own mother and her heart toward you. And for all of time, the mother heart has always held a special place in society. And we, we honor the mothers. And we're going to honor the mothers this Sunday, by the way. It's the second Sunday. And may the mothers be honored. And so that's this coming Sunday. But I use this illustration of the change of heart. The young girl, all of a sudden, has been given a new heart. Or a change in her heart, if you want to put it that way. Whatever way you want to phrase it is fine. But there's a change that takes place. All of a sudden now, she's holding in her arms her her little boy or her little girl. Or two boys. (laughs) Right? Uh, but she's an, a mother now, and her whole world is now changed forever. For the rest of her life, she's a mother. It doesn't matter how old she is or how young she is, she's a mother for the rest of her life, and her heart changes. And so, using this illustration, um, when God calls a man to become a pastor, God gives him a new heart. And this is one way in which men can know if God has given them the gift of being a pastor. Now in the Old Testament, we see this example. Um, A young guy by the name of Saul was destined to become the first king of Israel. You know the story, King Saul. And as we read 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9, Saul was departing from Samuel, his first encounter with Samuel. And Samuel anointed him and told him what was going to happen. And chapter 10, verse 9, it says, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And Saul exhibited that new heart that God gave him. 
in his zeal and bravery to help the nation Israel. However, it's a shame, it's a sad thing, but Saul, he lost that and his life ended very poorly. But someone else that was given a new heart and that was his successor, David. David was just a a sawed-off runt. He had attitude problems. And he was um, looking after the sheep, running after the sheep. But when Samuel anointed him, all of a sudden, David's life changed. And it's very clear, he started behaving himself way different. What happened to David? Well, turn back to the book of Acts, and you'll find out. Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter 13. All right, now, we have some of Paul's uh, preaching here. And verse 22 says, And when he had removed him, that, that was uh, Saul, uh, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. This is God speaking, which shall fulfill all my will. So, (laughs) here we have David with a heart to be God's leader uh, of God's people. God is um, very careful about his people. He loves his people. The Lord Jesus died for the church, didn't he? And so he's very careful on this matter. So this is very important. The gift of pastor means that a man will want to care for God's people. Remember we said earlier, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So when God calls a man to be a pastor, that man will have a new heart, a new desire. He never had that before he was saved. But he's got this heart, this desire. And it means that he will care for God's people. He will comfort God's people. He'll have a desire to pray for God's people and to counsel God's people. He'll want to marry them and to bury them. He'll want to protect and defend them. He'll want to be with them and help them through their troubles and difficulties. He'll want to laugh with them and cry with them. He'll want to feed them and lead them in God's will. Now bear in mind that all spiritual gifts, pastor, and every, all the, uh, the 11, all spiritual gifts are meant to be developed over a lifetime. A man who's been given the gift of pastor, it doesn't mean that he has 40 years of pastoral experience right away. He's got this brand new heart. It's like a mother. She's a brand new mother. She's got a mother's heart, but she doesn't have 20 years of mothering experience yet. That'll come in 20 years, won't it? But the thing is, she's got a mother's heart. And only a mother can do certain things because she's, she's been given the heart. And so years of experience improves the gift of pastor and all gifts, by the way, be they mercy or helps or ruling or giving. All of the 11 spiritual gifts are given and over time they're developed and ripened and enriched. 
Now, the term pastor, I believe, is used in the Bible because of its close similarity to a shepherd with his sheep. That's the idea. That's what pastor means. It means a shepherd. Interesting how God would use this term. Psalm 23, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, I shall not want. You see, the idea of the shepherd there is to care for the sheep. And a man who's been given this gift will want and have a desire to use it and get involved and to care for God's people. So I believe a man given the gift of pastor will want to spend his full time being a pastor. Nothing else will be good enough. I believe it was Spurgeon. I could be wrong. I think it was Spurgeon talking to some of the, uh, the young men in the Bible college, and he was telling them. Now, of course, this is well over 100 years ago, mind you, because Spurgeon died in the 1890s. But he told the young men, if you can do anything else, if you could be a businessman, if you could be a king and be happy, go ahead and do that. Don't be a pastor. The truth is, those who have been given the gift of being a pastor, they don't want to do anything. They don't want to be a businessman. They don't want to be a, a king. They want to be a pastor. And they'll, they'll want to do that full-time with their whole life. It feels like a whole life calling. Um, now, I must point out, there are men in positions of pastor who should not be there. These particular men have no calling from God. They have no new heart given to them. And when times of trouble come, what they do is they forsake the flock and they flee. And I want you to see this if you go to the left, to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. John chapter 10, you'll see this very clearly. John chapter 10, here's the words of the Lord Jesus. And we'll look at verse 12 and 13, John 10, 12 and 13. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own, uh, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming. Uh-oh, that means trouble. And leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. A man who's been given the gift of pastor cares for the sheep. Over the years, there have been many pastors that have stood in the way of attack and died protecting the flock, protecting God's people. There's many cases of pastors that have worked so hard, so many years, so long hours, they burned out. They died in their service of God's people. In times of trouble, and times of trouble will come into every pastor's life, into every church. It's important, but these times of trouble will help to prove if the man has the gift of pastor or not. When trouble comes, does he think with his feet and run? Or does he think with his heart and stay? And one other thing 
that is important on this gift and all of the gifts, and you'll hear me mentioning this, is other godly people will recognize the gift of pastor in the man. So if God has given a man the gift of pastor, other godly people will see that in him. All right, we need to move on quickly. The second gift, the second gift tonight is the gift of teacher. The gift of teacher. And that's mentioned again in Ephesians chapter uh, 4. And I want you to look at this because I want to show you something that I haven't pointed out yet. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 is the verse. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Interesting here. The gift of teacher. How do you know if you have this gift? Now I'm suggesting to you that one of the first ways you'll know if you have the gift of teaching is you'll be given an extra special love for the Word of God. You will really want to know what God has to say. Your heart will be in love with the Word of God. In Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how love I thy law! It is my meditation all the day. Someone who's been given the gift of teaching. I don't mean teaching in a public school or in a university. I mean teaching the Word of God in a local church. That's what I'm talking about. That's the gift of teaching that was given to them when they got saved. And just like the brand new mother, she's been given a brand new mother's heart, it has to grow and deepen. And it does. And it becomes more wonderful and beautiful over the months and the years that she's a mother and likewise the teacher. His gift of teaching or her gift of teaching becomes deeper and more thrilling. And they become better at it over time as they use it. The scriptures say, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Very important. I was told by this little old lady after I got saved, I, once in a while I make reference back to these two little old ladies who try to influence me um, into the charismatic movement after I was saved. Praise the Lord, God kept me from that. But one of the little old ladies said to me, now, God has given you a spiritual gift. If you don't use it, he'll take it away from you and give it to someone else. I didn't know any better. I thought, well, boy, I don't want that to happen. Truth is, God doesn't do that kind of thing. When he gives you a gift, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That's what the scriptures say. He's not going to take it back. If you take that gift and put it in your back pocket and never use it, it's no better than the the servant who was given one talent by his master and he took it and went out and buried it. And then when his master came back, he had dug it up and he said, here you go, you can have it back. Boy, that's, that's pretty bad, isn't it? And every Christian is going to stand before Jesus one day. It's important that we know what he's given us. And it's fun to find out. And then to start using it. Get busy in using the gift. And you have at least one. Chances are you have more than one. You have two or more. But a teacher, 
will have a never-ending thirst to learn more and more of the Word of God. This person, this man or woman, will be a Bible reader. You don't have to encourage them and coax them and plead with them and beg them to read their Bible. They love to read the Bible. Now, they may not be the fastest Bible reader in the world, but they read in their Bible and study in their Bible. And they're, they've got an insatiable thirst to learn what God says. What does the Bible say? They're going to be a studier. The gift of teaching is a different gift than the gift of pastor. One of the qualifications, though, to be a pastor is to teach God's people the Word of God. That's one of the qualifications to be a, a pastor. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it, it goes through the qualifications of a pastor and it says, apt, A-P-T, apt to teach. That means leaning toward or um, a tendency toward or maybe a skill toward or a lifestyle toward teaching. Pastors, in my opinion, also have been given the gift of teaching. The man has not only been given a gift of pastor, he's been given a gift of teaching as well. Because in a local church, you need that. You have to have that. But pastors aren't able to do all of the teaching. They can't teach all of the seniors and teach all of the adults and teach all of the young marrieds and teach all of the college and career and teach all of the teens and teach all of the children. They can't do that. That's why God gives the gift of teaching to select ones within the local church to spread the load so that everyone can get taught. You know, it's exciting as you read through the scriptures. And in the book of Acts, when we get to the, book, to the church at Antioch, it says, now there were certain prophets and teachers in the church of Antioch. God gifted certain ones to be teachers in that wonderful church. That's the church that sent out the Apostle Paul. That's a pretty good church, if you ask me. They were heavily involved with missions. And so the Holy Spirit gives the gift of teaching to certain ones in the church. Now, this is one way to know if you have the gift of teaching. Fulfillment, a sense of fulfillment. Someone with a gift of teaching, a teacher, needs to feel fulfilled. And they'll only feel fulfilled when they're using their gift, when they're teaching. And if they're not teaching, they're not feeling fulfilled. They're feeling like they're wasting their life. They need to get busy and serve the Lord. Teach, I want to teach. A mother who has no children to care for feels useless. If there's, if there's no one for her to mother, she feels her life is wasted. She has to have someone to mother. Sometimes when a mother's children are taken away with a stroke of death or something, or perhaps even taken far, far away physically, they'll look around and find some young girl that needs a mother or some young boy who needs some mothering. They have to mother. It's in them. It has to come out. Likewise with the teacher. It has to come out. Now in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, you'll notice it says at the end, and some pastors and teachers. 
There's a connection there. There's a connection. Now, not all teachers are pastors. But I believe all pastors are also teachers. I think that's how it works. I think that that's how, why God put it that way there in the Scriptures. Godly people within the church will recognize the gift of teaching in you. So, hang around godly people. They've got good insight into what's in your life. Teachers are held in high regard because they help shape a person's doctrinal beliefs. Now, this is very serious business. Being a teacher is very serious. We have to teach right truth. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, But there were false teachers among uh, the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Generally, false teachers are not even saved. And yet, there are so many churches today that have unsaved teachers, false teachers in, in their midst. But people with the gift of teaching are not only the people in the church that are to teach. They're not the only ones. And I want you to go to the book of Hebrews. Now, this is very important. Everyone, please, folks at home, Hebrews chapter 5. Turn to the right, Hebrews chapter 5. We're just about done here, and I want you to see this. This is the last verse of Scripture we're going to look at. Hebrews chapter 5. The Apostle Paul, I believe, wrote the book of Hebrews. And the, Hebrew, the Hebrews here were the, uh, the, the Jewish Christians of the day. They were believers, although there were some unbelievers hanging around with them. But essentially, they were the, the believers the Hebrew believers, but they weren't growing. They were remaining sort of babyish in their, in their Christian walk. Now, chapter 5 and verse 12, Paul wrote these words, For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk, and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So many Christians back then, just like so many Christians today, cannot really tell the difference between right and wrong. They can't, they can't tell the, the, the shades you know, of, of evil. They can't do it. Spiritually, their eyesight is very dim. I wouldn't say blind, but I'd say very nearsighted. Many of them. All over the world. They're not growing. And my point is that all of God's people need to grow. This verse here in verse 12 indicates that all of God's people should become teachers. You say, Pastor, time out. You just said earlier that only select people have the gift of teaching. Yes, I did. But that doesn't mean they'd be the only teachers. Supposing you're a mom or a dad and you do not have the gift of teaching, does that mean you're not going to teach your children right from wrong? 
Does that mean you're not going to teach your children how to sit up at the table? How to feed themselves? You're not going to teach your children how to behave themselves? Of course you're going to teach them. You are a teacher to someone. There is someone connected to you whom you can teach. You may not have the gift of teaching, but you can learn to be a teacher. Say, how do I learn to be a teacher? By observing teachers. That's how. We're drawing things to a conclusion here, folks. But here's the bottom line. You're here tonight or you're watching online and you know you do not have the gift of pastor. You know that. You figure, oh, okay, uh, I'm not a pastor. So that's one off the list. I don't have to worry about No, you're not looking at it right. The idea of the pastor is to care for the flock and feed them and help them, right? And every Christian is supposed to do that. How do they learn it? By watching the pastor. The way I treat you, you treat one another. Paul said, be ye followers of me, even as I am of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus is the great shepherd. Paul there was like the under-shepherd. And he was telling people, follow me. What you see in me, do. Try it. Every one of us, if we're saved, we need to try to learn how to care for the flock. How to shepherd people. You know, we have this expression, what would Jesus do, right? We've all heard that, I think. It's famous, it's been around a long, long time. What would Jesus do? Well, what would a shepherd do? What would a pastor do? And that'll give you an idea how to treat one another. And when it comes to teaching, well, I may not have the gift of teaching, but that doesn't mean I can't teach. I can learn how to teach. Hey, how many of you here are certified Formula One race car drivers? Put up your hand, I'd like to see. (laughs) None of us. But does that mean because you're not a certified Formula One race car driver, you're not able to drive a car? Is that what that means? Come on now. Let me hear you. No. There's nothing stopping you from learning how to drive a car, learning the rules of the road, and learning how to turn the thing on and put it in gear and... There's nothing stopping any of us from learning how to drive. We may not be a Formula One race car driver, but that's okay. We can still drive a car. You may not be a pastor. That's okay. You can still shepherd people. You may not be a teacher. That's okay. You can still teach someone. That's the idea. Because folks, in this study, we're going to get to the gift of giving. And if your attitude is, well, I I don't have the gift of pastor, therefore I don't have to mess with that. I don't have the gift of teaching, therefore I don't have to do any teaching. I don't have the gift of giving, therefore I don't have to do any giving. And you know that's wrong. So all these 11 spiritual gifts, each one of them shows us a different angle of Jesus, our Savior. And we know from Romans chapter 8, it's the will of God for us to become more and more like Jesus. 
So these 11 permanent spiritual gifts that we're going to be dealing with on Wednesday nights, I want you to learn, learn them, learn what they are and start examining your heart. Because I guarantee you've got at least one of them. Find out what it is and start asking God to help you to use it for his glory, his honor. Would you pray with me? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.